Hi, and welcome to an episode of our Pulse In brought to you by the Students of Color Collective in partnership with CFUV. Talk is an advocacy group committed to anti-racism, social justice, and BIPOC mental health. We provide community support and resources for racialized students. This year, our Pulse In is an audio project with themes such as love, unity, and social justice. These episodes were produced on the traditional territories of the Lekwungen-speaking peoples and the Spanish peoples. Can you tell me your name and how did you identify yourself as? My name is Navjot and I identify as a Punjabi woman. I use she, her pronouns. Uh, Can you tell me a little bit more about yourself? Like, do you work or study full or part-time? I am a full-time student at the moment and I also have a few side gigs going on. So those take up most of my time, but... um, I also do my art whenever I can, you know, squeeze in some time. Yeah, for sure. I get, I, I know the feeling. <laughs> um, so what do you identify as in terms of art? Do you see yourself as a professional artist? Do you see yourself as a hobbyist? I see myself as, I feel like a creator is kind of what I am rather than it being fit into these boxes so I don't my art isn't what um, I spend most of my time doing at this time in my life and I think that's also partly because um, because of outside influences and kind of worldly capitalism distractions but it's definitely kind of central to my life and something I want to be able to spend more of my time on going forward. Okay. Yeah, I think that that definitely makes sense. You don't want to be like constrained by labels that society try to put on you in a way, I guess. Yeah, I think so. And also that um those are always changing too. So um yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm very suspicious of of holding on to or you know, really attaching to one label. Okay, for sure. So uh, can you tell me how long you've been practicing as an artist and how did you develop your skills? Sure. I, I've loved creating my whole life, but it was only kind of recently that um, I, I really spent more time or started to take it more seriously. And that it was kind of an intersection of a lot of things happening in my life. So I'm mostly a movement artist, and that has to do with um, chronic pain issues and and really delving into that side of my life and that intersection of my life in terms of um, disability. So that really, um, that's been one angle that has, um, that's been a good way for me to cultivate some of those skills. Okay, yeah. Um, art is definitely can be a way to help um, understand and move forward with our life as well. But um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, actually, my whole life, I think, has been really driven by this need for justice. And I reached a point and I think I pursued it in my professional life. And I'm currently studying law. Um, and kind of reached this conclusion that that's not really the way, but my way of pursuing justice now is through art. And it's more than just that. It's also, it's so healing. It's, um, and it's, I really see it as a way of choosing life over death. So, um, yeah. Well, yeah, that's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty awesome way of looking at it, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, it really encourages me to, you know, it's something to really look forward to in life and makes me feel like I can move through some of the challenges in my life. Yeah, it's good that like art is so healing that way. Um, For sure. Can you tell me if you've, uh, about your artistic accomplishments up to this point, like maybe you've done 
Uh, have you won any art contests before this one? Um, have you been studying uh, maybe uh, by yourself uh, doing art or do you have your own art website? Have you ever sold art before? Stuff like that. I have not really shared my art publicly for most of my life. Um, I think it's mostly been very personal to me, so hasn't been out in the public eye. It's more so now that kind of these intersections of my life of like queerness, of disability have pushed me out of the kind of dominant capitalist world that I've had to find alternatives. So that's kind of what has um, pushed me to be a little bit more open with my art and share it with the world. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely, yeah, like, um, I know for sure not everyone has an art degree, but sometimes I find that, like, the best artists that, in my opinion, don't even have, like, any art schooling at all. It's just them purely just putting their passion and, like, creativity into the world. Yeah, I, I've i been in academia for a long time, so... You know, I think there's so many wonderful things about it, but I, I also just see so many of the harmful things about it and so many of the restrictive things about it. So I, I'm i definitely at a point in my life where I would not like to have my art kind of put in boxes and, and be a little bit more open in that way. Yeah, for sure. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit more about how it's restrictive? Or if you don't want to, that's totally fine as well. Sure. Well, I can just say a little bit from my experience of academia is that it's very um, focused on European or Euro-Canadian or Euro-American forms of knowledge and sees the world through that lens. And so I think with any anything, especially with something like art that is so without bound like without bound is so boundless I'm trying to say um having having those restrictions or someone telling you that this is the way that you should look at it um I find I feel personal resistance to that even though I know lots of good things can come out of it and lots of opportunities can come there um I I would prefer my preferences towards having zero restrictions and really letting my internal self guide my art creation rather than, um, you know, an institution that is obviously influenced by so many things, um, so many structures around capitalism and colonialism. Was there a defining moment in your life that made you want to pursue art? Yeah, I think I touched on it a bit earlier, but I I do feel like so many things in my life um, converged. um, And a lot of it was um, a lot of darkness and trauma from my past. And I had lived in um, like a a mode of like life preservation, um, survival mode. And so I think I was finally able to get out of that. And I I kind of gave myself a deadline. And like I said, I, I gave myself this choice between life or death and I, I chose life. And so with that comes creation. And, and I do feel like there was a very defining moment in my life where I chose to move away from the structures and um, systems in, in the world that we live in today to try and imagine and create something knew something based on love and healing rather than systems based on violence. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. Like, I think art can be a way to, you know, really decolonize and really, like, take apart racism and, like, the racist structures in which we all live in today. Yeah, absolutely. I fully agree with that. And kind of, I think, accepting that side of myself or being open to it has also led me to learn more about the ways that uh, Black and Brown people in the world have been resisting colonization through these other means that um, don't always get the recognition that they deserve, but through, you know, they're often called like alternative or something. But those are the ways that um, that we have been resisting colonization and these violent forces for so long. Yeah, for sure. 
I know this is a little bit of a different question, but I was gonna I was gonna ask you, uh, who are your favorite artists? I have so many, but honestly, my favorite artist is the Earth. <laughs> Mother Earth is the kind of that source, that creation energy is what I find so beautiful. My favorite piece of art that I have in my home right now is this piece of driftwood that looks like a cheetah. Like it's just so beautiful, and I've even thought about painting it, but it's just so perfect. So. Not, I have a lot of favorite artists, but no one inspires me more than just um, the natural world. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, that means you could just go outside and you can be inspired by like literally like nature around you, which is great. Absolutely. I feel I feel so inspired just every time I go outside and and uh, yeah, I don't know. I just see so many possibilities. Uh, sort of a similar question. I was going to ask, uh, do you listen to music while you're creating? And um, if so, uh, who uh, do you usually listen to? I listen to music usually when I'm doing movement-based art. And I try to listen to um, queer BIPOC artists uh, as much as possible lately. I'm, I'm really interested in that. So one artist I'll mention is Tommy Genesis who I enjoy listening to. She's an artist based in Vancouver and also has South Asian ancestry. So I always do like to try and find artists with South Asian ancestry because I don't think that there's enough of us. And um, I also, sometimes when I'm creating art, I'll listen to podcasts or people who um, just like kind of talk. So someone I like to learn from is Miriam Husna. She's an energy worker based out of L.A. Um, yeah. Okay. I definitely need to add that to my list. I don't listen. Um, I'm always trying to find more South Asian artists to listen to, and I always find, like, that's a block to try and find where it is, like, because um, I feel like, you know, mainstream music is always trying to show off, you know, the most famous artists, but then they don't show off um, or represent there's so many other like musicians out there they can show and um, it can be harder to find them for sure. Absolutely. It's definitely a search. Like you have to have to put some effort into there and it can take some time, but I feel like it's usually worth it. So I was wondering if you could please describe your artwork that you submitted to me. Yeah, that is a poem that I wrote um, a while back, and when I originally wrote it, it was very much a piece of grieving for my grandmother, so that poem is definitely written for my grandmother, and I also feel like it really kind of came out, um, it was really emotional in that moment, and I revisited it. Um, recently and connected it also to a lot of things happening in the world right now and um, I think it has a lot to do with like really comp making complicated choices but finding the agency within those choices and then I also uh, connected it to the earth so I spend a lot of the time near the ocean and um, just thinking about myself as a settler here on these lands, this is also something I think a lot about and repairing that relationship with the Indigenous peoples of where I'm from. And so I, I did some ocean recordings as well and, and connected that also to like women and women as water protectors. And um, yeah, so kind of those themes blending together there. Um, I was wondering if you could walk me through the steps of creating this piece. Like, did you have the idea and then you started maybe writing sound, some of the, the lines for the poem and then, you know, you went to the, went to the ocean to record the sound. Like, let me know, um, walk me through the steps of it. Sure. That, so the poem itself really came to me all in one go. It was really like, it, it felt like I was kind of connected to something a bigger message a bigger kind of source and it it kind of flowed through me so often my poems aren't like that they take a lot more work but that was really just one go and it just came out 
and I sat with it for a while and like I said I revisited it and um and I and then I actually uh was part of a workshop uh learning to create audio pieces and so through that I was able to kind of learn how to layer sounds and I really wanted so a, my my piece ends with a little bit of it kind of ends with talking about water and women as water and I spend a lot of time near the water so I had already had several recordings of water um, but then I went out and, and did several more kind of in different locations and I picked one that I liked the best and felt like had the similar energy or uh, actually more of a balancing energy with the poem itself the poem I think is kind of really high energy and kind of angry and um yeah really kind of strong and then the the water energy is a little bit more peaceful the one that I chose so I felt that they worked well together okay yeah they definitely went well together just from an outsider perspective I I thought they went really well together thank you um so I was wondering what title would you give this artwork if you had to name it so it does have a name. I've called it Arab, which means stubborn. It's some roughly translates into stubborn. Um, and that's a word in the Punjabi language. And to me, that kind of signifies some of those messages within within that work of like okay. uh, resistance in ways that might be difficult for people to understand. Okay. Um, so I know you sort of touched on this before, but uh, do you think that your artwork is like telling a story? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's telling a story of of difficult choices that can be made and um, the complexity of those choices, um, as well as just surviving. Surviving, it specifically tells the story of surviving as a Punjabi woman in a patriarchal, violent, colonial world. And um, yeah, and like solidarity between women as well as finding life source from the earth as, as mechanisms of survival. But I think it also goes beyond that. And I kind of thought about things that are happening in the world right now, like people um, participating in and leading movements of resistance in a time of a global pandemic and how that's something that people don't understand or find it difficult to understand but as as um BIPOC people and I can only speak for myself as a brown Punjabi woman is that we are faced with so many other threats to our existence that we have to make difficult choices um in order to continue to survive yeah for sure yeah, it's definitely there's definitely been a lot of um a lot of protests happening even before COVID, but even during COVID, like with the farmer protests in India and then the Black Lives Matter movement as well. But yeah, that's when people really need to take a stand and uh explain and fight for what they believe in. Absolutely. Those those two are exactly the two that I was thinking of and you know, have have been heavy in my heart for quite a while. So, and I I see that often, like the response to those movements is you should be at home during this pandemic. And, you know, it just clearly shows that not only is a pandemic a threat to our lives, but also there's also the, all of these other threats that you have to weigh them and, and, make those difficult choices of how we're going to continue to survive and and thrive yeah for sure um so this is a question sort of related to that is um what does your art teach us about the past and the future i i really wanted my art to be capturing agency and agency in choice so i yeah, like I said before, so I think a lot of my art is a reflection on the past and also present because I think the past is always a part of the present. And, um, but also, um, so, 
So it's also about imagining that future, especially towards the end. Um, so I think there's this theme within that piece is trauma and particularly um, violence in relationships. Um, so violence in intimate relationships and, and kind of survival choices that women make. So as a South Asian woman, gendered violence is a really big part of my people's past and present. And there's, I think, really challenging things that come out of that. One thing that I think is particularly kind of tenuous in, in what I created is that piece about also um, self-destruction and how that can be a response to um, outside destructive forces um, as, as a way to protect yourself, but it's also self-destructive. And so I think that's also part of the complicated choices that people that are in really difficult situations make. Um, but I wanted to highlight that. But I think especially towards the end of my piece, um, even within that destruction, um, there can also be creation. There can be connection and re um, returning to the land. And that's... Um, that's also how I see the future is how are we going to move away from these violent systems is to return to the land, return to mother earth and um, learn from what she is teaching us that we are not listening to right now. Yeah, I think that's definitely very powerful for sure. Um, I know in relation to the pandemic, people have been saying that we really need to be, maybe now is the time we can, let Mother Earth heal. Um, in a way, if we're if we're all at home, we're not using um, all these like pollution. Maybe hopefully we're not polluting as much, and you know through cars and um, I don't know burning just land and resources. And maybe this is the time that Mother Nature can heal uh, for once, instead of just having it be destroyed so much. Totally. And I think, too, is always remembering that we are nature. We're not separate from nature. So I think part of what has the pandemic has forced us to do is really um, ground ourselves in where we are located, making a choice of, OK, where are we going to be for the pandemic and ground yourselves there. And, and then you have that option to build some sort of relationship with with that land that you are on and you know, here in Canada, we are on stolen Indigenous land. So I think that's a complicated thing and a complicated journey. But um, I think that the pandemic has really opened that possibility for people. Yeah, for sure. I think it's been a time for a reflection for everyone. It's like we're stuck at home. We just have like ourselves and our thoughts. And I guess nature is helping us maybe take time to reflect. Yeah, totally. We are definitely being forced into some of these things that I think people wouldn't necessarily voluntarily want to get into. So this is, these are going to be a couple of series of questions. I think they're sort of related, though. Um, so it's, how did you feel when creating this piece? Uh, what emotions did this piece invoke in you? And also similarly, what emotions do you hope it will lift in others? So, like I said, I I was very emotional when I did write it. And I think emotions that I was feeling were anger um, and also defensiveness and giving a voice to, um, to complexity. And so I think what I would want... I I don't really necessarily have something like I want <laughs> I want people to feel a certain way about it but like any art I think it's about um or a lot of art or a lot of my art is like bringing something from a place of darkness and like you know something that might be really ugly and like really awful and making it um beautiful or bringing some beauty to it so I would 
just hope that um that someone who listens to this is able to see some some beauty in um some be- beauty and wisdom that can come out of pain and uh and yeah just like feel that in their bodies so i was wondering uh what power does art have in your community i find art to be incredibly powerful in in all of the communities that i am a part of um thinking about the south asian community and specifically the punjabi community I think that we have a lot of pressures within that community to be um to be kind of like the model minority kind of thing to that we should be really grateful that we are here and that we shouldn't push any buttons um and really kind of fall in line with what the colonial society here wants from us and I think art is a really important and crucial way that we are able to challenge that and push back on that and imagine, um, yeah, imagining new ways that society can exist and transforming, you know, having having transfer, tra- transformative change into a world that is actually just and is fair towards all people. So it's it's important in in the south asian community particularly in that way and especially because it's i don't encounter a lot of south asian artists and i think that that is an issue and um i also want to encourage other south asian artists to um to come out with their art and um and share it publicly and then i would also say in terms of living with um chronic pain and and being new neurodivergent those are two kind of parts of disability that are not really visible and and so i think in in that kind of space in my world and in that community it's also so important because having um having a disability or or having something that can't might not be cured or, or makes um, makes us look defective in the eyes of capitalism and makes um, our bodies kind of not have any value in the capitalist world. And so I think the art world is also a space where I've been able to um, remember, like remember that I have value, that I am valuable as a person and I, I have important things to create. So I think in in both of those spheres in my life, it's been really important for me to embrace um, my creative self and um, put that out there. Okay. Um, sort of a similar question is, um, I guess you sort of answered it, but if you want to add more, um, feel free to, um, is how has art helped you fight societal norms? Yeah, I think it goes back to that imagining and, yeah, having space to imagine something different, um, particularly, like like I said, I've spent so much time in the academic world and now kind of delving into the legal profession. Um, in In these spheres, you're really kept busy all of the time. All of your time is taken up and there's no time spent to be able to imagine a new way of doing things and I think that that's a really um it's kind of a built-in part of capitalism and these colonial structures that we live in is that there is no space not like an inch of space left for people to um to imagine something different so art and like carving out space in my life for art has been that space for me to be able to imagine a world that is is um is just for everyone okay what does this artwork say about the society and culture we live in today so so yeah i talked about it a bit before but i also wanted to delve in a bit deeper into something specific that my art talks about is intimate partner violence and particularly that choice and i use choice in quotation marks 
to um, continue to live with a partner that may be abusive or violent. And I think that's something that I've encountered a lot in my life. And I even personally have asked that about people in my life growing up. Um, and so, and I've, I've seen a lot of people ask that question is like, why don't you just leave? And so something that I really have thought about a lot in my life is that difficult choice. Um, that's not really a choice. Um, but also being able to see the agency of the person, oftentimes the woman in that scenario, in making making those decisions for for survival. So often it's something like, especially during this pandemic time, is um, a choice between a roof over your head and shelter, or you know physical safety, or you know safety from abuse. Um, Right. So those kind of choices, which are not a real choice, but also, um, again, going into the complexity of of having um, seeing the agency in, in that person in making those day to day, very difficult decisions. But those are the survival decisions that um, BIPOC people, that women, that queer people have to make in order to survive in a very violent world. Mm hmm. For sure. I know um, I was reading some articles about how it's affected also during COVID as well, during this pandemic. It's like, okay, don't leave your house. But then it's like, okay, but then again, it's like you have to make those difficult decisions about what you were saying, like, oh, the roof over your head, we need to stay inside because it's a pandemic, but it's also not safe. And sometimes people have um, dependent children as well. They have to consider that factor. And I feel like when people say stuff like, why don't you just leave? It really minimizes the resilience and strength. And it really minimizes the struggles that people face. Um, and it's uh, it's kind of annoying to hear as well, because it's like, you know, it's kind of like they have that more of a know-it-all sort of attitude. But it's like, okay, this is a lot more complicated than you think, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I... I think totally like that, like seeing the resilience and the strength in that is what, um, yeah, kind of what I wanted to bring out is, yeah, exactly like you said, it's not, it's not as simple as it looks from the outside. Um, and it's not, especially I've also read about um, a lot about how during the pandemic, um, this pandemic within the pandemic is like the huge spike in intimate partner violence that is happening. So it's like, within this pandemic, there's also so many other crises that are exploding and like really coming to the surface. So yeah, it's just so super, super complicated, these super complicated decisions that, um, yeah, that we have to make. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it's a little bit of a different question, but it's, um, how might your interpretation of your art as the creator be different from someone who is viewing your work for the first time? Like, for example, maybe someone who is familiar with race and gender equality, uh, maybe someone who's unfamiliar with race and gender equality, or maybe if a kid saw it or a child saw it, uh, how would you think they would interpret it, uh, your artwork? Yeah, that's such a, that's a good question. It's, um, I think my thinking around it is um, everyone's experience of it is obviously going to be different and, and tempered and nuanced by their life experiences. So this piece of work, like Arab, I wrote that for, like I said, I wrote that as a love letter to my grandmother, but I also wrote that for other Punjabi women and then other people that have experienced intimate partner violence or other BIPOC people or other queer people or other disabled people. So I specifically wrote it for these communities. And so for people who are outside of those communities, I I didn't even imagine them in my creation, right? So um, it's not for them. And I'm not saying that they can't experience it and feel those, like, you know, feel something or enjoy it or or anything like that, but um, I'm I'm not sure how they would take it, um, and that's kind of out there. But it's my it, for me, it was kind of a creation of 
like a labor of love for for those communities that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. And um, maybe people who aren't as familiar, maybe they'll listen to your piece and maybe they can have more of a greater understanding um, as well. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would hope so. I hope that like like I've talked about that complexity of things. I hope that that could come through to somebody who hasn't experienced some of those things. Mm-hmm. Like maybe when someone says, hey, why don't you just leave? You know, maybe you say, okay, it's not that simple. Here, listen to this piece. Maybe you'll understand, you know, or, you know, maybe you can understand the struggle a little bit more by, um, you know, I guess relating to the artworks that people make in relation to these topics that they might not be super familiar with. Yeah, totally. And I think I'm also just thinking about it from like a child's perspective. And um, honestly, like this just makes me want to share it with a child and see what they think. But (laughs) I would hope that it would, um, I don't know, like kind of give up, especially like it talks about Punjabi women. So I would hope that, um, for a child to it would um validate maybe for a Punjabi child in particular but like validate them and like encourage them to um yeah to really embrace their agency I think especially with children like we don't allow them or like value or uphold their agency the way that we should so yeah yeah for sure so um, this is a pretty heavy question, but uh, do you feel that being an artist is respected in today's society? I think that it is and it isn't. And I, I think that it is where it is beneficial to capitalism and, and kind of that side of things. But for artists that are really challenging um challenging what's comfortable for people making people uncomfortable making people um re revision the world or or uh yeah just challenging their beliefs that part i don't think is very respected and just like any kind of you know whether you're an activist or whatever like challenging the way that society is currently organized and held up um, I think that there's a lot of backlash against that and a lot of pushback against that. So um, I think that that's where it can be difficult is for artists that don't necessarily follow and in, fall into um, spaces where they can get a lot of, um, yeah, like a lot of popularity or a lot of fame or a lot of money coming out of their art. Yeah, for sure. Because... I feel like sometimes you could ask that to you could ask that to different people and you would get different responses. Like some people would be like, "Yeah, I love like movies or something," for example. But a lot of times, the movies that are really popular sort of follow. Well, like I sort of I'm just sort of a critic, but um, they sort of follow like a formula in a way. You know, they don't question things. They're just sort of formulaic. Like there's a hero, saves the day, everything saved, sort of thing. But you know if you have something where it tries to take on like a different perspective, um, then people are like, Oh, we can't relate to this. You know, like that will sort of be the reason for being like, Oh, it's just too weird or it's too out there. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, totally. It's like trying to do, I love doing experimental stuff and that stuff is sometimes just like, it's really hard for people to be able to, bring it into their understanding of the world and so you know that's that's more challenging but I there's definitely communities out there that really hold those people in high regard but I just don't think society in general is is always there yeah for sure um so uh, the next question I had was uh do you feel that there are different standards for being an artist of color as opposed for someone who wasn't an artist of color I think so. Um, I think that that's so nuanced and so complex, but I, for me, I think it also comes, it starts at the beginning of your life, right? Like which, who, who are people that are um, really given or nurtured in their artistic abilities? 
um, that's often not BIPOC people. Um, and then also just like bringing into the fact of, um, you know, kind of survival stuff. It's a lot of BIPOC people, um, a lot of their energy has to go to, um, to things around survival that don't leave as much space for creativity. So I think that a lot of like those, those things, those kind of um, pieces that are at the core of who we are, of how we start out and grow up in the world. Um, I think that has a lot to do with who becomes an artist and whose artistic abilities and creative abilities are not nurtured. So they're not really able to thrive. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know, like, again, with my experiences in the being a South Asian woman is a lot of times we're kind of being pushed to maybe doing like engineering or become a doctor or, you know, something in that field or like sort of in the field of STEM, I would say. But if you say, hey, I want to be an artist, then they're like, okay, you know, maybe that's not super realistic. Um, yeah. Totally. And I I think that that has to do with like, so many of our families are, um, you know, have a lot of challenges to, to survive in this society. So um, art is kind of seen as this optional thing to do if you're really privileged. And um, yeah, I think it's difficult, but important to challenge that idea. Uh, yeah, for sure. And I, I kind of feel like it ties into the next question I was going to ask you, which is uh, what barriers need to be addressed for artists of color to thrive in today's society? Yeah, I, I think um, I think that I touched on them, but a, a lot of it, yeah, I don't know, goes back to white supremacy, capitalism, colonialism, patriarchy, all of the big isms. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I guess also also the barrier of feeling like, okay, South Asian uh, kids need to either be like a doctor, an engineer, maybe that barrier of being like, hey, you know, they can follow their dreams as well. If they leads them down a creative path, you know, um, maybe it'll be easier for the next generation of South Asian kids because um, maybe you'll have more role models like you to you know inspire them to be like hey I want to do that when I grow up I don't necessarily want to do STEM I want to do art or I want to be creative yeah absolutely um, and that's what I I love that this is a conversation between two South Asian artists right so it's like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <We exist. laughs> yeah yeah we do exist <laughs> Um, so, uh, it's a little bit of a different question, but, um, do you believe that your personal and our cultural values and beliefs influence your artwork? I know you sort of answered it, but if there's anything else you want to add? Yeah, totally. That's a very, you know, hard yes. <laughs> um, I would also just <laughs> add a little bit about my people as Punjabi people have been resisting, uh, colonial and outside violent forces for hundreds of years, um, thousands maybe even. Um, we, we've been kind of at the forefront of a resistance for um, people invading the South Asian continent for a very, very long time. So that is so core to who we are as Punjabi people. Um, we're really... Uh, you know, we strongly value autonomy and resilience and resistance. So I feel like that all of that has is a part of why I choose to create art is that is a way to resist, um, resist these forces of oppression and uh, yeah, create something beautiful, create something new. It's it's um, poetry is is a really long tradition within um Punjabi um, and Sikh society is really core to us and also other art forms um, like dance and music, um, textiles. And so those are all things I, I want to learn more about as well. And I hope that I have the opportunity to learn more about them in the future. 
Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, so the next question I had, again, I feel like you sort of answered it, but if you want to add anything more, um, do you believe that a creator's artwork is an extension of themselves? Like, could maybe like someone, if someone just saw your artwork, but maybe they didn't know much about you, do you feel like they could still sort of understand your values and who you are as a person? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's why I create anything is to, to express who I am and to, um, to make some, to put a piece of me into the world. That is my creation. So of course, that it is an extension of myself. It is me. It is me voicing myself in a way that's not just um, always literal, right? So it's like open to interpretation and different forms of understanding. But it is always, it's a way to, um, yeah, totally self-expression. Um, that's that's different than what is always ex expected in society from people to, or, you know, ways of expression that are, are, uh, are what is acceptable. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, so uh, related to that is, uh, what is the most empowering thing for you being an artist of color? I think it is just that ability to be able to voice these um, parts of myself that in general society there is no space for. Um, and to be able to express parts of myself that there's no words for, right? But they're still, they're still really important and core pieces of myself. And being able to express those allows me to make connections and connect to other people. And that's to me kind of that most empowering thing is building community through through the work that I'm creating. Okay. Yeah, I can definitely see that um, as being empowering for sure. Um, so again, we're getting kind of close to the end of our interview. So I was just gonna do a couple more questions left. So um, uh, the first one I wanted to say was, uh, where do you see your art career going in the future? Well, I am, like I said early on, I'm really focused on embodied uh, practices of art. So I hope that in my future that um, art can be my, the majority of my time, the majority of my practice. So I, I practice different forms of dance as well as um, other embodied kind of self-awareness practices like yoga and meditation. So those um, I do envision for my future to be really centered around those practices um, and kind of related to disability justice in particular. Okay. Um, and the uh, final question I was going to ask you was... What advice would you give to the next generations of artists of color? I, I still very much feel like a baby artist, so I don't know if I have a lot of advice <laughs> to give other than, um, yeah, don't feel like you can't create art because you haven't been formally trained in any type of, um, you know, any field of art or because you are a person of color or you don't see a lot of people that look like you that are artists. Like I would just encourage people um, if you, if you do kind of belong to one of those categories, I would encourage you even more to create art because the world needs your art. Yeah. I think that's really powerful to say that. And um, hopefully, yeah, I feel like that it's inspiring me for sure. It makes me want to create some art right now, but uh, um, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, for this interview and for your uh, lovely insight into how you created your piece and for how your experiences have shaped you and your art. Yeah, thank you so much um, for, for all your questions and it was so nice chatting with you. I really enjoyed it.
Ardib by Navjot Gor Jasser An especially stubborn breed, my sister Punjabans, waging their war by staying, masterfully crafting rebellion through holding of breath, gritting of teeth, digging of heels, pounding of heart, without the hand of another, but by the song of her sisters, here and gone, urging her relentlessly forward for her children and for herself. What snake can swallow her whole when she has immolated herself after tasting her own blood innumerable times? Sturdy as the mountains at her back, no gale can shake her. Water that she is carves her own path. This episode has been brought to you by the Students of Color Collective in partnership with CFUV. This podcast was produced by Melanie Lam with the support of Funa Robusoye and Neha Saxena.